We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Feel like Kobe in a fourth quarter. This is the Dane Moore NBA podcast brought to you by Blue Wire Podcasts. Coming at you after a Timberwolves winning streak. And I promised Kyle Tyge of Canis Hoopus that if the Timberwolves ever win two consecutive games, um, that he could come on and hijack the podcast afterwards. So streaming live from Portland, Kyle Tyge. What's up, man? I remember when you texted me New Year's New Year's Day, and you're like, if they ever win two games then again. Because they, they just won two games, like the 23rd and the 26th of December. Against like, okay, the Jazz. Yeah, they'll, they'll win two games again, and then I'll have you on for a late-night pod. Well, unfortunately for Dane and I, it happened to just move until the end of April for that to happen. But um, two-game winning streak, second time of the season, as you said, uh, second time that that second win has come against the Jazz. And boy, do the Jazz stink. <laughs> you know what's weird is, like, so I, I've watched the Jazz's two games before they played the Wolves for these two, and they played they played the they played the Lakers twice without AD and uh, LeBron obviously, and they killed them, killed them, and then they played the Rockets, and they killed them. And so I'm like, this Jazz team is just like, you know, they are bad team proof, right? Like they just did. They struck me as a team that you know. 
uh, quite frankly, I thought the Wolves had no shot against. And, you know, I, I think that's important context for how impressive this actually is for the Wolves to come out and win these two games. It's not like the Jazz are playing bad. The Jazz normally kill bad teams. Like, it doesn't take that much rose-colored glasses dot connecting to to say that, like, the Wolves right now aren't a bad team. No, I agree. There was a, especially and when you say not a bad team, especially since the All-Star break, right? Because that's kind of, for me, mm-hmm. what I even think about with them. I mean, I know Chris Finch had a handful of games before the All-Star break, but it was so, he was, you know, dealing with so much of the mid-season coaching change that he was basically doing a lot of the same things other than a tweak here and there. But um, I thought this was a good stat from our friend Alan Horton. Um, since the All-Star break, wins after being down 15 or more points. The Nets, Celtics, Nuggets, Clippers, Knicks, Blazers, and Jazz all have two. Two wins post-All-Star break after being down 15 or more points. The Timberwolves have six. <laughs> the next closest team is two, and all of them are playoff teams. Like, what is going on? Like, what? I, I tweeted this out, but they had, remember the, um, the second night of the Kings back-to-back? When yeah. Halliburton had that play, unanimous rookie of the year, Tyrese Halliburton had that play <laughs> where he like semi traveled slash stepped out of bounds. I mean, yeah, that yeah. kind of led to the game. I mean, let's say that gets called. The Wolves are on a four game winning streak. <laughs> like they're the hottest right. team in the league at a time <laughs> when, uh, and this is probably a good, a good spot to start maybe at a time when do we want them to win? Yeah. I mean, I, I think, I think that is an open question because, you know, it's just, not an open question. It, it's a question that I feel like I'm getting, and I'm sure that, that you're getting too on, on Twitter and stuff, when, you know, the, the nature, when you cover the team, as, as you and I do, you, uh, you kind, of, kind of move to the vibe of the team. If the team yeah. is, you know, if the team is sucking, like, you're going to tweet out stats or things that are, you know, not going well. And if, if they're winning, you're going you're gonna to lean into that a little bit too. I think that's fair. I think, I think your coverage of a team should mirror the winning percentage. So if yep. they're winning, if they're winning 75% of the games, be positive 75% of the time. If they're losing, you know, that's, it's okay to be a little bit li- hard on them. I literally wrote a letter to Gerson Rosas in like mid February. When I was like, you did not literally write a letter. Well, you basically wrote I like odd <laughs> an open letter, but that's mean, I'm, I'm with Rosas. you though. Like that's those remember that those dreary days of like end of January, early February. And it was just like one 30 point beat down after another. And now they come out, and they're basically like, the, I think it was like the 2012 Charlotte Bobcats that won like nine games, seven. Uh, and the seven. And the Wolves basically are the are the Charlotte Bobcats from 2012 in the first 12 minutes, and then like the 63 Celtics in the final 36 <laughs> minutes. Like their defense, like what? Tell, you're 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 like my basketball guy, right? Tell like what. It one time it's like fool me once, you know. Like how can you do that back to back games where you just put the clamps on a on the best team in the league right now for 36 minutes and make them look like a lottery team. Well, okay, picking through a couple of those things. The they got down by 18 in the first game to the Jazz. What was the biggest deficit tonight? 16. I, was, I think it was 16. 16. So the weird part about that is that's exactly how when you're talking about the doldrum days of February that that's what was that's what sucked about watching this team then was they would fall down by 16 18 points in the first quarter early second quarter and you would just go well 
I'm going to have this game on the rest of the time, but there's nothing of meaning is going to, you know, be, you know, is going to come from this because we, we, we've seen this before. What happens is they kind of just put up the white flag and a lot of their best players, you know, appeared to not really be trying in the second half and it would blow up to 30 and then Jordan McLaughlin would come in in the fourth quarter and they'd like cut it down to 19 again, you know? And, and so what's, what's weird for me sitting there watching these falling back by 18 again is it, it triggers that same sort of like pattern where you kind of go, all right, this is, this isn't going to be a very interesting night. What the hell am I going to talk about on the podcast? Um, <laughs> that's what I'm thinking. <laughs> and, and then they, and then they do just switch though. I mean, two games in a row, they, they really, they really have switched. And I think the difference Kyle is that those teams, the February teams under Saunders and you know, the D'Lo was the number one guy. Like they didn't have help. Like, D'Lo didn't have help in those games. And and now, I mean, tonight, the Jazz, what the Jazz did to Cat defensively, like, they took him out of the game. They took him out of the game. They, I mean, I've, I, it was the most, like, aggressive strategy defensively we've ever seen against Cat. They did it both of these games against him, and it effectively takes Cat out of the game. But by doing that, you are leaving other guys wide open, you know, and in the swirl of the offense when some guys wide open you can you can force them to rotate and swing swing and you get the ball to D'Angelo Russell who is going to make contested threes even if they're contested at a pretty high clip like that's the difference is they have they have more than one bullet in the gun I guess to be able to be like all right you've taken away our best player but we still have something else for you on offense and and that's you know it wasn't Ant tonight it was D'Lo and and it can be Ant too. I think is the exciting part is you have Cat shut down in the first half. You have Ant. I think what was Ant like had maybe three points, like one of nine in the first half, if I remember correctly. But D'Lo was enough. You know, D'Lo was enough to get the offense going. They got some four, like the Jazz weren't really hitting shots, but it's just it's just a little bit of like kindling to the fire of this team needs multiple players. They are not a they are not a competent team when they're left to only one of their star players really being out there. And it's different. It's, it's encouraging. You know, and why am I on here? Other than it was late on the West Coast. Um, I'm on here to just take small sample sizes and just turn them into theories. But there really is, there's got to be some Chris Finch directly tied to this. And I'm not talking about late game yeah. play calls, rotations. I'm talking about like a mentality Right. Like we've talked about, I mean, everyone now by now as a, as a fan of the team kind of knows Chris Finch's LinkedIn profile, like how, where he started and how he had to grind to get to where he's at. And when you were just talking there, um, you, you got me thinking about that. You did a podcast on it after a game, um, how they had like the, the wolves for a while have like a, basically a terrible defensive rating or in the first three quarters or net rating in the first three quarters and in the yeah. fourth quarter, they like led the league. Um, those were, those were, you know, talk, kind of talked about blowouts and stuff. And, but I think this team like just constantly isn't, can fight back. Like they, I think they played under Ryan Saunders is my point with like a glass jaw, like punched in the face once. And that was it. And now you see this team that's like, they're, they don't, sometimes it's against, you know, second team guys in the fourth quarter, but this team just fights every night. I don't understand why they're so bad in the first quarter, but it just doesn't bug them as much as it, as it used to. And like, my whole little spiel there is about, I think this team 
has more toughness than like some playoff teams. Like I think this team, if nothing else in these games, I asked you five minutes ago, should they even win? Like, is this good? What's going on? Am I, should I be scared? Um, I think this team is developing some real toughness. Like they believe that they can beat anyone and there's no lead that's insurmountable for them. And of course, you're going to come back and tell them about the Clipper game that, well, sometimes if you get down 35, it's over. But even in that game, like they did show something in the fourth quarter. No one was watching it, but I think the toughness these last couple of weeks is like, you can take that into 2021, 2022. I think some of the guys are tough. I, I think the Finch part is the execution. The fourth quarter execution is different under Chris Finch than it is under Ryan Saunders. Now, part of that is having Cat in the mix. But, but again, what, what we saw happen under Saunders was one, like in, in late games when they were in it, is one late game ex, bad execution thing would lead to another bad yeah. late game execution yeah. thing. And tonight, we saw a bad late game execution thing. Like, Ant doesn't box out on that, that free throw that Conley misses, and the ball gets tipped, and Nas grabs it, and you know, falls yeah. out of bounds. Yeah. Jazz ball calmly comes around, hits the three. It looks like the Wolves are done. Now, there's still time left in the game. You know, there's still, what was it, 5.9 seconds left, I think. And, and what the Wolves did was they executed a play. And I, 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 I think back to the beginning of the year, what, what it was like that, and they couldn't even get the ball in bounds, <laughs> you know. Or another time when they, they, they did get the ball in bounds, but then Malik Beasley, like, catches it and pump fakes and takes an off-balance three. Like, you're seeing with Chris Finch that even if the, like glass jaw or whatever, like they can take a punch, they can mess yep. up yep. and still balance themselves back out. And that, you know, two times <laughs> now the Wancho Wancho slipped to the basket for that layup and in, uh, in the game against Portland, right? Right after the all-star break. And then we saw the same exact play, you know, go for, for D'Lo for the slipped on, under the basket tonight. And that was the, you know, the game winning play. And, under Saunders, those those plays just weren't happening. Yeah, and you can I, go I was I was like I said, I wasn't trying to make them into Mike Tyson. I was just saying, like, I think there's this team has some toughness now and that they can't like you you eloquently said it. They can take a punch and kind of right. respond. Um and that's what they did. And again, it was it was a, it's crazy because it's obviously the same opponent, but it game one and game two, like if you go back and now rewatch that jazz game, it's the same thing. I'm sure right. you saw different coverages and like tweaks here and there, but um, it was just give up a bunch of points in the first. I mean, that tonight's first quarter, they had, I think, eight turnovers, and all of them were like thrown off the backboard or like thrown out of bounds. Like they had some of the weirdest turnovers in the world. And then the second quarter, they just were all gelling, all linked, all. I mean, Juancho Hernan Gomez was the Spanish Larry that, Bird in the second too. quarter. Yeah. That, that, that's coaching too, because it's, it's the way that Utah was guarding Cat. They're having Bogdanovich on cat and they have Gobert lurking in the paint that's really when your whole offense is based around carl anthony towns and you have this the double teamer is rudy gobert like you know you can't do that anymore and and what i think again then this is turning into just like the bag on ryan pod but like they would just keep going to the same things over and over again they'd yeah. say this is the plan this is this is our identity we're going to it over and over again and they what you saw was an adjustment you know, you saw you saw Cat throw it off the backboard one too many times. You're like, all right, maybe we can't run the offense through Cat here. They have him double teamed as soon as he crosses half court. Like, and and you know that that kind of takes some balls as a coach to be like, and and you got to convince your best player to say, hey Carl, we actually like we don't want to go through you right now. 
And Cat sat for a really long time from the, I think it was like four minutes left in the, the first to the middle of the second because they kind of started getting a rhythm. And and that, the, the, the kind of, I think Finch feeling that he has the autonomy to be able to do that without guys like snapping back at him is making a big difference to kind of stabilize things. Yeah, and I mean, also Carl sat for a while because the Wolves had the two best centers in the arena that night in Carl and Nas Reed. Nas Reed was just taking <laughs> defensive player Nas. of the year off the dribble, like stop. <laughs> but no, I think you're right. I, I, I mean, that that I'll have to go watch it again. I've only watched that last inbounds play to, to D'Lo like 62 times. But <laughs> did, did you think, how much of it do you think was intentional? Because like, even as an optimist like me, who's always cheerful, there's part of me that thought that like they were, like were they were they trying to get Carl the ball so far out, or do you think it was like, hey, count to four point two if you're Ricky Rubio, and then give it to Russell? Because there were so, if, they, if, so, if Russell doesn't get open, sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. If Russell doesn't get open, it's a five second violation. There was no yeah. one else to throw the ball to. So what Finch said after the game is they were trying to go to Carl <laughs> in, in that spot there, and that D'Lo just read it and Ricky just read it. Like the play okay. was to Carl, okay. which I think that is that's interesting for, for two reasons. Because again, we got like five and a half seconds left on the clock, and the play you're drawing up here is Carl isolation on the perimeter. He that's what Finch said they did. That was the goal, and you know, I mean, Utah Utah screwed that up, man. I mean, what Conley like Conley and Gobert can't both go out to half court. Like they those two needed to communicate. I mean, they left D'Angelo Russell wide open, but and so you know that was that was an option off of that action that they ran and you know, and it worked and that that's Finch. And I would say that a lot of that is Rubio um, make, making that pass there, but it's, I think it's encouraging. I was sitting next to Britt at the game and he goes, you know, who do you run this for? And he, and Britt said he would run it for D'Lo. And I said, I, I'd run it. I said, I'd run it for cat. Just have cat pop and isolate on Gobert. I think that is, that is your, your best option there. And apparently according to Finch, that's what they were, they were trying to do. And as we get more of these games, I think that, like, yeah, run your two-man game with Cat and D'Lo, yeah. like, down the stretch. But if you got one shot with five seconds left, like, I want that going to Cat, even if Rudy Gobert's on it. Rudy Gobert ran out to the half-court line, like, thought there was an award. But Cat, I just watched <laughs> the play again. Good. While you were While you were talking, I just watched the play again. And Carl, by the time... Just had that queued up on your phone? Yeah, I was just, I was just scrolling. So Carl, <laughs> Carl runs out in kind of like a double, like a stutter step, like, kind of runs halfway. Because, you know, he's mm-hmm. popping. And it's not really there, so he pops again. And on a second pop, he's on the M in Timberwolves on the center court <laughs> logo, right? So if Carl were to catch that ball there with 5.5 seconds left on the M, his only outlet in a double team is Ricky Rubio to the left. Mm-hmm. Like so, so that so after I thought about it, it's like, man, maybe that was like the play because I can't imagine they're getting Carl the ball like 35 feet from the the basket, and he's probably gonna have like even if he has a smaller guy, and I'm like. He's going to have to try to get to the uh, – it wouldn't make any sense. So yeah, I, I just I thought it was want, interesting. I think you want Cat at like 18 feet there. That would be my ideal situation. Can <laughs> yeah. you can – you, can, I mean, I, I was just I, – I, I was watching the Heat game on Sunday, I think it was, and Bam hit the game-winning shot mm-hmm. uh, against Brooklyn. And that's what Spolster drew up was Bam isolation, again, with like a, a few seconds left. So like Bam could like one-two dribble and he kind of hit like a – sidestepping like eight footer like great I think, play yeah great play i think that's what you want to get cat in that situation and you know it's hard for, if, if he's catching it on the perimeter it's hard to throw two guys at him on the perimeter right yep. there because if you do that someone's going to be wide open to slip to the basket so 
I think that should be the goal of the offense. But if a team's going to overreact to Carl, like, and you do have Cat and Dealer or whatever, even Wancho, just these guys, they don't have a great supporting cast, but they have guys who can make open layups, and and that'll that'll work. Well, and and you touched on it right before I just made another baseless claim. Uh, you said Russell read it right, read the play, the last mm-hmm. play right. Um, as you've talked about, I think multiple times, uh, there's been like this civil war that's grown between like Rubio fans and Russell fans. And, and I think it's just like Dendro Russell was just bad to start the season, right? Like he was just, he was flat out bad. It's kind of like the ant thing. Like the stats don't lie. Um, but I was, I've been texting you about this and I think you had this early, this take, uh, he just wasn't healthy. Like he looks like a different man, like watching him play basketball tonight. I'm such a D'Lo fan right now in terms of the way he's accepted like this bench role for now or long-term the way he like just pimps out his teammates like Ant and Jaden post game and on social media and stuff. And then to see him tonight, he just is so spry. Like that's not the same guy that played right. to start the season. He talked about it after the game. He said he's a hundred percent, you know, and he, he wasn't. looks it. And, and what he said was that, you know, he had this kind of lingering thing in his knee that he needed to get cleaned up eventually. Yeah. And he yeah. was, he was planning on waiting until the off season to get it done. And then it just kind of, obviously we saw it sort of nagging on him and the wolves had the worst record in the league. So apparently he just chose to, to get it done. That's I mean, his words, uh, you know, after the game and it, it does, he does seem like, I mean, it's a couple different things, right? It's, it's, he's healthier and he has better players around him. Like, I, I still think this spry D'Angelo Russell, if you put him out there with the group, that he had at the beginning of the year. I, I yeah, no, I, no, I that's still fair. Think they're, they're probably still not winning very much, but he's what we know about D'Lo is he, you know, he's not a number one guy, but he might be able to be a number two guy for sure. Be a number three guy. And, and, you know, that's encouraging, but let's take a quick break. And then I do want to talk about, um, was this good? Because I think we, was this good to win? Because I think we're both on the same page here of having looked at the odds and willing to, you know, not be negative and, and, and embrace the the positivity of uh, <laughs> of win. We'll take a quick break and be right back. I'm not sure about you, but I'm taking a rain check on spring cleaning this year. Freshen it up for the season with comfort instead with some sheets, with some towels, some loungewear, and more from Brooklinen. And with their birthday sale happening this weekend, Brooklinen is offering site-wide savings on all things comfort for their biggest sale of the year. Brooklinen was founded by husband and wife duo Rich and Vicky with the goal to create beautiful luxury home essentials at prices that don't break the bank. By working directly with manufacturers, they ensure premium, high-quality comfort every time and at a fraction of the retail price. That means ridiculously soft bedding towels, and loungewear. Brooklinen is so confident you'll love everything. It will give you a 365-day warranty. They've even got 75,000 five-star reviews. It's hard to argue with that. Get everything you need for a fresh spring during Brooklinen's biggest sale of the year. Shop Brooklinen's birthday sale going on this weekend. And if you're listening to this podcast after the sale ends, don't worry. You can still go to brooklinen.com and use promo code MORE, my last name, to get $20 off any purchase of $100 or more. That's brooklinen.com and enter the promo code MORE to get $20 off any purchase of $100 or more. Brooklinen, everything you need to live your most comfortable life. Look, no one's perfect. So if you feel like you come up short in the bedroom sometimes, it's perfectly okay. But if it's bothering you, there are options. Go to getroman.com slash more now. 
With Roman, you can get a free online evaluation and ongoing care for ED, all from the comfort and privacy of your home. A U.S. licensed healthcare professional will work with you to find the best treatment plan. If medication is appropriate, it ships to you free with two-day shipping. The whole process is straightforward and discreet. Getting started is simple. Just go to GetRoman.com more and complete an online visit. Take care of your ED without leaving home. Complete an online visit today to connect with a doctor and take care of it. Go to GetRoman.com more now to get $15 off your first month. Look, there's a straightforward way to take care of your ED. GetRoman.com more. Get started now to save $15 on your first month of treatment. All right, Kyle. So as we go into Tuesday with the Wolves having won two games in a row to the Utah Jazz, the lottery team records look like this. Houston Rockets, 15 and 46. Minnesota Timberwolves, 18 and 44. Orlando Magic, 18 and 43. Detroit Pistons won tonight, so they're 19 and 43. And the Oklahoma City Thunder are 20 and 41. Those are the five teams, quote unquote, competing for the tank. And the Wolves, with having, you know, won more games than they've lost under Finch, six and four in the games where Cat and Delo have both played in. Um, you know, they are, they are sliding down or up the standings, however you want to put it there. And, and the picks odds are in jeopardy of, you know, dropping a little bit. What is your general feeling about, about that wins versus lottery balls? Well, okay. If you don't already, you have to follow Dane at Dane Moore NBA on Twitter, but he put this out basically saying, know that, that guy. I, I'm, he's okay. Uh, the if you finish with the first, second, or third worst record, it's forty point one percent. If you finish with the fourth worst record, it's thirty six percent, and then fifth worst is thirty one percent. So, like you said, it goes down like three and a half percentage points. Um, I, I just, I don't see how a team that has, other than like the ant thing last year, that has never had any luck whatsoever in any realm. Um, I, I like I'm I'm with I'm not really worried about the ping pong balls and this is coming from a guy who's like an optimist and believes in the future and my future is not really tied into like winning the lottery like I think putting together two and a half good weeks of basketball putting out sending all these guys off for summer vacation and like a good upbeat mood um I think that you know it eliminates a lot of the Carl Anthony Towns trade rumors that will that were likely to come up this summer if you finish the season you know two and 14 um but it right. also just I really subscribe to the idea. I mean, especially in basketball, not like football or anything. You you can't just flip a switch and be good. And I know the wolves are in the dark and they can't find any of the switches, but you can't just but like kind of the idea that they're like, it's, you know, maybe really, doing the Phoenix yeah. suns thing from, yeah, last no year. one really goes, you know, step three to step eight. Like you got to go step mm -hmm. four and five and then you know, maybe to seven and eight. So I think if, and again, this could all just look so stupid if 24 hours from now we're like, hey, they lost to the Rockets without John Wall by 20. <laughs> yeah. um, but I, I think, you know, I think if they, if they, I, I think they're going to go beat the Rockets. Like if they string together three games and they start to show like a winning, you know, this culture mentality and guys are starting to, you can't, you can't look overlook reps. You know what I mean? Like just reps of close yeah. games, reps of wins, reps of, I mean, you and Britt did a really long one on it and you kind of made it sound like sometimes Chris Finch, does things to like classically condition Anthony Edwards, who is so young and so raw. There's no better way to condition Ant to do the right things than to win games. That's when you can post your stats on 
Instagram. And that's when you can say funny shit after a game, like winning right. to me for, for especially cause it's only another two weeks seems like far more important than, you know, sitting Carl and Ant and watching the team lose by 30 every night. Right. So I'm, I, a lot of the thing that you hear a lot is this team's never had any luck. You know, why are we, you know, why are we going to expect any luck either way? Like, so, oh, so you disagree with me? No, I mean, I just, the thing that I want to like punt home, is that even a thing to say? (laughs) (laughs) It's midnight. Um, Push home. It's just the idea that if they fall to four, it's not that far of a drop. Like, I I don't know. I mean, I've I've said this over and over again, but I keep hearing it like three and a half percent is not a big drop. Eight, which is would be if they fall to four, it's a three and a half percent drop of keeping their pick. Now it's eight and a half percent drop if they fall to five, and I think that's what people are getting concerned about. I think people are starting to buy into the idea that like, okay, whatever, if you fall to four, that's not that big of a deal. Now I, I think the question is. Could they drop to five? You know, what are the odds that they do drop to five? And they are they are at a spot with 10 games left in the season. There's just not very many games left in the year. And and I, I'm thinking about, like, Orlando, Detroit, Oklahoma City, and Houston, they all have, like, 10 or 11 games left in the season. How many, like, what? It, what is a reasonable expectation for those teams of how many games they win? Like, if we're setting the odds. For them? For them. Oh, I had a stat I want to share. Okay. Um, for them, I mean, oh, dude, okay, see, I don't what's know. The, what's the over-under? One for and a half? E- for each of them? Yeah. Oh, I would no, I would say the over-under for each of those teams is two and a half. Like, I, I really, because I think Oklahoma City could lose all 13. You know no, what no, I mean? No, no, I, no, I met them each individually. Oh. Like, so uh, you don't think they're going to be, you say under? Okay. I'd, so I, I would just say under. I just, I think, I mean, you saw what the Rockets did, right? Like they sat John Wall. Now, like some of these teams are going to run into a spot where they don't actually have enough guys. But what that... about Detroit tonight? Detroit beat beat Atlanta. Like well, teams accidentally win. Like I I think I I think they'll all win at least one of their last ten ten games. Okay, okay, I see what you're saying now. I I agree with you on that. I was just I wanted to give you that stat of how many the Wolves have ten games left. Mm-hmm. Seven of them right now are against teams that are. I would say playoff teams, like in the playoff play-in game stuff. Sure. So seven of their final 10 games are, are against playoff teams. The other three are against the Rockets, who are the worst, the Pistons, who are like the third or fourth, and then the Magic, who are the third or fourth. So it's like a narrative built for a movie, but 10 games, seven against playoff teams, three against the worst teams in the league. I'll say the they win four ever. of those. I'll say they win four of those games. Okay. Well, if that's the case, if the Wolves go 4-10 and 10 the rest of the way, they will finish 22 22- or no, if they go, they would go four and six. So then they would finish the season 22 and 50. Yep. <laughs> Oklahoma City. Oklahoma City is the one you have to like to worry about. We're worried about the fifth spot, right? Oklahoma yep. City has 20 wins. So they would need to go. One and nine. One. And, well, or they have 11 one, left. One, one and, and 10. One yeah. and 10. And then they would be at 21 and 51. Yep. I think they win, you know, one game so it's not just oklahoma city though there's also detroit like is detroit also only going to win one of their last 10 games two like you're not only competing against oklahoma city and i don't i don't think it's just fair to assume i don't feel like the odds on win total for them 
simply they've lost their last 13. Like, so I get it. If they duplicate that and lose 10 more, like, yeah, they owe a 10. But I just think even tanking teams have a 10% chance of winning every game any right. night in the NBA. What, and, you know, what if they play – what if they play a playoff team in their second-to-last game of the season or fourth-to-last game of the season who's, who's already, like, got their spot locked in or something? Like, that, it just – it doesn't seem fair to me to assume that these teams are all going to lose the rest of these, their games and that the Wolves are going to go 500. Like, I think it's a stretch to your stat that the Wolves even go – Four and six or five and five. Like, I don't know. I mean, four and six. I guess that's what I would probably bet. But, but, the then, but then if they finish seven and three, right? So just give me this for a sec. What's, yeah, what's okay. seven and three? Like, seven and three, then they're, they're, they finish the season 25 and 47. So that would mean, so that would put them in a whole other realm of teams that they could hypothetically catch, right? Like, they could te- catch the Cavs. They could, they could catch the Cavs if that happens. They or, could, that's it. That's not the Kings because they have the rookie. Of the the Kings already have 24. Yeah, <laughs> the Kings um, already have 24 wins and are still kind of. I, I don't know why, but I just overlooked it. And you're you made this point like I don't know a dozen minutes ago. But yeah, like that Phoenix Suns because I think we're starting to make a Venn diagram here of like we're both on the same page and we're both kind of saying like I'm on team winning is good and you're like yeah because they're not going to win enough games to make it really matter. So like we're kind of on the same page. Mm-hmm. But that Phoenix Suns thing is like the next great idea for a national for a local media writer to write. Um, it's just like. What if this team wins enough games that they really do kind of, and then they make, you know, maybe they lose their pick because it becomes more likely if they go seven and three or eight and two um, and they give up the seventh pick or whatever, but they make one little nice adjustment in the off season. And like, they really actually have momentum. Like you said, the Suns showed that already. Now the the player they added was a hall of famer, but I'm just saying like there, there's a but they reason also, to believe that winning is okay. And that it Phoenix actually also, isn't just going to benefit me on a Wednesday night. Right. Phoenix also like didn't do anything with their pick either, you know, which is kind of interesting too. Like they, <laughs> they basically traded it away. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Jan Smith has been nothing. Um, yeah. I, I mean, you don't I agree don't with me. You don't agree with me. No, I, I, I think I am much more on that, on that side of it. I, I just think like, I think this is a situation where, you know, some applied statistics work, you know, right. Of, right you know, what is the opportunity cost of, you know, of three and a half percent drop in your odds? What is some, the opportunity cost of eight and a half? Especially when you're already playing against a weighted coin. You know what I mean? Like that's the one yeah. thing is we forget is like, it's not a 50% chance. I mean, we're at a, like we I, both agree. Everyone agrees. Like you messed up by trading that pick in the first place. Like, that, right. like that is a sunk cost. <laughs> you know, it, it is, it, it just kind of is what it is at this point. And yeah, but, but at the same time, I you know I can hear the people in who are listening to this right now going, "Why does it matter? You know, why does it matter? Why why would we decrease our odds of getting Cade Cunningham or Evan Mobley by eight and a half percent just so we can win, you know, a couple of games down you know, down the stretch in a, in a meaningless season? Like the years when the Wolves have tanked extremely hard, where like Justin Hamilton was like starting. <laughs> at center for the Wolves, and Lorenzo Brown was starting a point guard. You know what happened when they tanked hard like that and flipped, went all in on the tank? They got cat. And last season, when they tanked their asses off at the, you know, ruining the roster, getting fined by having, sitting D'Lo, all that stuff. I mean, they were tanking last year at the end. And, you know, there was the benefit of that was they improved their lottery odds and they got Anthony Edwards for the first overall pick. So 
I'm not even trying to argue with those people. I, I, I hear that. It's just my mind keeps going back to the fact you're already against the weighted coin and you're not making that much of a difference. It was yeah. the, a lot of odds were different back when Justin Hamilton was the starting center for the, for the Timberwolves and, and, and Lorenzo Brown and, was running the point. Like, and without turning this into our draft pod, like if you think, and everyone that listens, to this is really smart and understands it. Like if you think it's going to go Cunningham, Mobley, Suggs and sub order, you might be losing some percentage points at that, but it's not like then you're increasing the percentage points or something that like the war, the warriors aren't going to get those guys. Like yeah. if those guys go in the top three, like that's like the weird thing that doesn't get talked about enough is those three guys are probably going to be like last year. It's going to be a big three. They're all going to go in the top three. So they're either going to go to Minnesota or they're going to go to some team that's not Golden State. If you live in constant fear of the Wiggins Golden trade State. like I do. Um, but, you know, to your point, too, and we talked about this before we got on, like if it did move to four or five, it also lowers what the pick that could be sent to Golden State. You know, like mm -hmm. if you finish with the worst top three record or whatever, um, the worst they can do is five. But if you're at three, it can go to seven. If you're at four, it can go to eight. So. Um, which would make me much better, you know, like or make me feel better if like if we lose the pick and we at least give, give Golden State eight, there might not be eight good guys in this draft. So but I, I just I go back to the Phoenix Suns thing. That was such a just round of applause. Like, that was such a good take um, because this I, is I, why, I this is why I bring you on. Just I, I know Venmo is just Venmo me. Uh, I just think it's important <laughs> for these young guys as you watch all season for the youngest team in the league. And I'm talking about guys like Carl, too, that don't have a lot of winning experience. I think winning games is really is the most important thing. And I'm a guy who lives and dies by every draft lottery. Right. Can we, uh, can we give your boy Jaden McDaniel some love before we sign off? I don't know. Listen, man, <laughs> I, listen. it's 10 five on the West coast and I've been drinking a little bit. Um, we don't want to, I, he's, he's absurd. He's absurd. Like it's funny too. Cause if you go watch that last play, I mean, all, all credit to Ricky Rubio. We haven't, given him much love but he he really forced that last play to blow it up when he kind of mm -hmm. pokes around conley um and Jaden like steals the ball and i think the clock is like run out and he's falling out of bounds he still had the wherewithal to throw the ball like to rubio down court like yeah. that dude is so smart forget the physical attributes and how he looks like gumby and everything he does. like he is this he is one of the smartest 20 year olds who's like i've ever seen play basketball it's interesting um, to start thinking about, you know, what he could be defensively in terms of like player comparisons, you know, like we're at the point, we're at the point with him where this isn't just like a rookie who's looking like he could be a three and D guy. Like we're, I mean, what, we're probably got 50 games of Jaden playing this year, 40, like meaningful minutes. I mean, there's a lot of tape laid down and he's been from the get go defensively impactful like this isn't a prospect you're talking about you're talking about an already good defensive player in in mcdaniels and and i think it's like i think it's time to like set the sights higher than like tony snell on him and and start thinking about like robert covington and or jonathan isaac you know something like that i i don't think and i know i know i'm preaching to the choir here but i I, I'm getting to the point of watching and rewatching him play defense, and it's it's obviously all marred in the fact that the Wolves are still like the worst defensive team in the league and all that. But it kind of is like like Cat this year. Like Cat's not going to get any credit for his defense getting a boost this season because the Wolves are going to finish the year with like the 28th in defensive rating. But Cat, if you've been watching the games, if you watch the film, 
smarter people than you and I watch it. Like Cat has been a noticeably positively impactful defensive player. And the yep. same goes for Jaden. Like where they if they were doing this on a competent team, they would be having, you know, and Jaden more so than Cat. Like Jaden would be having a positive defensive impact on a playoff team right now. I don't I don't think that's that's crazy to say. And again, I, 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 I don't have the basketball IQ that Dane has. And I'm not just saying that, but like, I've been wrong on a lot of things. My Twitter record is pretty bad, but I was in on Jaden. I'm going to just take it. I was in on Jaden so much earlier than I think others. And I think it was just, you and D-Lo. yeah, <laughs> it just goes back to, it just goes back to what he does. I've like rarely seen before at that age. Like you've seen, I mean, you see like when Anthony Edwards has an offensive output and he gets thrown into another category with Carmelo and LeBron and all these guys. Like I've seen, I watched their rookie years. I just don't remember a lot of guys at 20 that were playing like all third team defense. You know what I mean? Like he's not going to be on that, but like next, no, but why, I mean, why couldn't he be on that next year? Like that's crazy. I, I, I like almost, I, I literally started like typing that out. Like, one of the games and and again he's never going to get the all defensive credit like until the team starts like nobody makes all defensive team when they're like in the <laughs> right. 20s when right. their team is in the 20s and so that'll probably you know that'll probably hold him back like next year and probably the year after that but i mean i do think it's more likely than not that Jaden mcdaniels makes an all defensive team in his career yeah sign me up for that <laughs> yeah. like come on no, i i i i I'm trying not to be like the fanboy. I, I think this is the, like, I think you're right. I, I think, I think you or anyone else who is, is really getting hyped on Jaden. I mean, a lot of people are getting hyped on Ant, rightfully so. D'Lo's showing some things. Is is right to have, give him hype there. Cat, all, you know, he's all the way back, it seems. But Jaden, we're talking about impact and winning. Like, Jaden's doing the same thing. And you know, you know what I think gets me so hyped about Jaden? Because again, it's like it's full. It, you know, it's kind of folklore right now. Like everyone's a is a Jay McDaniels fan, but I think like if I was an early investor in him, I've already pivoted now from like the defense to like you know you talk a lot of basketball X's and O's. You know what a good defender looks like, right? They kind of all look the same. Like defense is about principles and you know just kind of sticking to certain things, but offensive skills like. KD's package versus Harden's package versus Kyrie's. I have no idea what Jaden McDaniel's offensive package looks like. Like, I don't, he's not allowed. He, if he gets to eight dribbles, he's not allowed to dribble anymore. And I don't mean in one consecutive play For collectively. He gets eight dribbles a night. Like, ask Chris Finch, that's confirmed. So, like, tonight he used seven of them. He got the ball, like, the opponent's free throw line and went four dribbles to half court and then three dribbles from half court into, like, this weird Euro step finish. And it's like, yo, what if that. Well, put Jaden McDaniels in the desert this summer, right? If they had a summer league and you just said, Hey, for 30 no, minutes, you don't, for 30 minutes, you don't have to defend anyone because it's the summer league, but you have to take 15 shots a night. Like what the hell does that look like? Cause it could be like, then we're going from Robert Covington, who's an all world defender to like, you know, Something generic more, right? brand at the end of the well, that's counter, probably Kevin Durant. Isaac. Well, except yeah. Yeah. Isaac has, when he's a little older, obviously, but Isaac has like 45 pounds on him. You know what I mean? Right, right. So he's a little different, but no, that's that's a good comp. Like a KD, I, I'm, it's late. Yeah. Like a KD Isaac comp. You know what I mean? Because he wouldn't be as big. Right. In terms of package, you're not, we don't actually think that McDaniel's will be Kevin Durant. But no, do I, I don't. <laughs> I I think it's. Uh, I, I actually asked him after the game tonight when he came in to this team this season. Did he think he would be more? 
impactful on offense or defense? Because oh, that's like a good question. Good question. Because this wasn't the you know this wasn't the like the book on him, man. Like he he was a guy who you thought could develop into a defender because he had the you know he had the physical measurements yeah. Yeah. to be able to do it. But I think it was. I think it was an open question whether this is going to be like if Jaden McDaniels works, what will that look like? And I think a lot of people thought it would be probably more of an offensive player, like a guy who has the ability to, given his height and length, get up and shoot over players. And yeah. and then with the understanding that it would take, you know, two or three more years for him to be like strong enough and skilled enough with the handle to be able to do that. But what is interesting, what he said was he chose to make it be defense like that's basketball because, iq that's us understanding how to get on the court though you know what i mean right no and it, it, it was smart he's like well i look at the roster and i see ant and i see d'lo and i see the other guys i'm playing with and i knew i could make i could have a bigger impact on the defense event so i made that my calling card you know and and yeah no i think that was that was wise i <laughs> now i wonder if he's like on the 2004 Detroit Pistons like what would have it looked like what would it look like if right. we would have leaned into offense I I'm with you I don't I don't know but uh he's just uh he's a fascinating kid man he, he's he's so boyish he's so boyish when you talk to him on these things yet on the court he just doesn't have emotions it's it's very I know I was I was on the media call tonight and I just heard I think John Krasinski had a question and like or someone had it and Jay nearly here and he's like the most he kept apologizing yeah. like he was like a right. local Midwesterner always apologizing for things. And I was just like, wow, like that's not the dude who I might have an over under bet with Dane on for a case of beer about technical fouls. And I'm like, can Jaden just get one? <laughs> like this, I was promised this dude would have 12 technical fouls and like fight someone this year. And all he does is hug people. Like, can he just push someone once? Like that would be great. It's, it's wild to see, especially a guy that fell in the draft. And you've already talked about this, like was top rated high school recruit for a while you would think he'd like want to force the issue and it just goes back to the iq he never he rarely makes a mistake and if he does he never makes two in a row it's just it's it's really cool to see and it it obviously just elevates a lot of other you know things like well it for sure elevates him into the core like the core of this team yeah yeah which is which is just wild to like to think about you know jim pete said during i mean so i'm listening to the game right and you're there but uh jim pete made a little mention during the game specifically about things we knew but about how many teams called the Wolves at the deadline looking to get Jaden McDaniels, you know, seeing if they could pry a guy before he really right. starts to bloom. And uh, I think you're right. I think, I think when you talk about the core going forward, when we do our next state of the, the Timberwolves, I mean, Jaden's Jaden's firmly in the core. Right. Where it's, and I think what that means, even with this really aggressive front office, like Jaden Wancho and like Carl, <laughs> but anyway, no, the front office. I, I think it just means like when you're in the core, which I would put as Cat, D'Lo, Ant, and Jaden at this point, like you're only trading those guys in a massive deal, right? Like a a, a massive, massive deal, which is, you know, uh, low odds, some sort of package where you're getting back a different superstar, you know, and that's, that's extremely unlikely. I mean, particularly with Ant, I would say is extremely, extremely unlikely. But I subscribe to the notion that like nobody's like off the table, off the table. Or you certainly don't get you certainly don't get to take four guys off the table. So 
they're, they're, they're like as close to off the table as you can get, which is, I, I, I think it's an interesting distinction to make that Malik Beasley isn't in that group, you know? Oh, and, don't get me started. Yeah, I'm with you. No. Like, it, and, and it's just, it's crazy that Jaden, you know, McDaniels is 28th overall pick, who none of us gave much air to whatever out of the draft on draft night, um, is at this level when Malik Beasley's been good this year, and we're like, yeah, I don't know if he's part of the core. It's... Maybe that's and, us being stupid, and, but that's I think it, that's accurate. It just I mean, if you want I guess if you don't want to close it with this, but it just goes back to how franchise changing that 2020 draft class was for this team. We've already seen it with Ant. We've I think he's proven now that he was one of the two best guys. And you know, you could make a case for either guy that should have gone first. Um, but my really good dear friend John Hollinger had a piece on the athletic today where they redrafted that and they had Jaden at tenth. You know what I mean? So just like if, if they hit on two top 10 picks and then we saw the viral little video of Bomero the other day, like you're talking about a pretty good young core and you don't can forget do a lot about my it. boy Nas. Yeah, no, Nas too. I'm just, I'm coming from that draft class, but no, right, I mean, you're right, starting right. to talk about a, a, a lot of assets that can ease, ease the pain of what we were talking about earlier. But if you do lose your pick, um, you might've walked away last year with three, three first round picks. So, uh, yeah, Jaden was awesome. It, it's some it's some positivity in in a season where it's eighteen and forty four. And like, who's better we're than me? Pumping the tires. You are. That's what, that's <laughs> no, what I brought you out here for. Brought you on here because it. There's been very few times this season. I would say not even eighteen times this season, even though I've won eighteen games, where the the primary emotion leaving a game is positivity. And I think like. I think these two games against Utah, like lottery odds be damned, are you know are positive developments for for the core of what we believe this team is building and the direction that they're going. And no, they did not. They are not eight and zero out of the bubble like the Phoenix Suns. No, we are not projecting them to be the two seed in the West next year. What we are saying is by doing well post All Star break, that they seem like a team that isn't in neutral or perhaps in reverse. There was a while there, pre-deadline, pre-All-Star break, pre-Finch, where we're like, what the hell? Like, it, it, do they got to start over again? I mean, talking about trading Cat, I mean, it, it, it's they, they, they're a team with a direction and an identity, and for this franchise and for this roster specifically, I think that's a big win. I can't, what, I can't remember what he said exactly, but remember to start the season, D'Angelo Russell said something about, like, we had to, like, lo- what was uh, it? No, yeah. We don't know how to lose. Or, yeah, we're still or, learning we're, how to lose. We've got to learn how like, to lose. Yeah, so like, that's, when Malik, that's when Malik started building Rome. Shout out to NBA star yeah. and Rome builder Malik Beasley. But, uh, but Russell said, like, we have to learn how to lose first. Well, they did a great job of that for January and February. <laughs> I can tell you that. Um, but, if I mean, if you play a sport, if you do anything, if you – if you, yeah. I subscribe to the idea in life that you have to learn how to win, like in sports yeah. as well, team sports especially. Um, and if they lose to the Rockets tomorrow, you know, let me know I'm an idiot. But I, I think, I think if they hit that and they enter the Warriors game with a three-game winning streak, and D'Angelo Russell looks great, and the Warriors are scared that pick could drop a little bit, easy, like easy, easy. No, I'm just saying, like if winning, winning takes time, and I think these wins. That's what this is all about tonight. Was tonight a good win? Like, yes, it's a good win, but was it a meaningful win? I think it was. I think it was a meaningful win against the best team in the league, and it gives these young guys more more ammunition to play the way that Chris Finch wants them to play. 
Yep, I'm not sweating any meaningful wins. And I think this one clearly falls in that category. There's been wins this season, you know, that didn't. If it's a meaningful win, like, and it costs a couple of, you know, a couple of meaningful wins cost a couple of lottery balls, I'm with it. Um, I, I just think can't be in this perpetual cycle of, you know, pinching out lottery balls. Like that's, that's been the, that's been the Timberwolves forever. Thank you for doing this, Kyle. Kyle um, runs canashoopers.com. If you don't know that, uh, they have remained the most consistent site on the internet for Timberwolves content. Stable of good writers there um, where, you know, the conversation is always lively in the comments section. I think you're doing a really good job there this year, Kyle. Um, Congrats. Thanks. Uh, Big night for the... We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Big night for the weirdest team ever. Yeah. Um, <laughs> get, your, get your shirts now. But uh, no, uh, two games, um, 10 left, and uh, it's, it'll, it's been a pleasure, and it'll be fun to track this journey the rest of the way. We did make some weirdest team ever t-shirt, weirdest team ever t-shirts. They're on jakesgraphs.com. Jakes, J-A-K-E-S, graphs, like a graph.com. Uh, Kyle helped me put those together. They're fun. We're, we're just trying to have fun. It's a The movement has started. The movement has started. Shout out to our leader, Jade McDaniels. And get your shirts now before uh, next year's playoff edition shirts. Being weird can be good. Being weird can be a good thing. And I think... Sometimes this team's weird in a bad way, and sometimes, like tonight, the weird team in a good way. He's Kyle Tige at Kyle Tige on Twitter. I'm Dane Moore at Dane Moore NBA. I will be back tomorrow night after the Houston game, which things could get weird. <laughs> you never know. Um, until then, I'm Dane. Peace out. How I'm feeling, man, I hope it never stop, yeah. Green it so you can find me in the crowd, yeah, yeah. Don't let standards ever, ever bring you down, yeah. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. 
the trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.